1 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, May 3rd. The month is flying by, people. It's like a blur, the entire thing. This is Market Call. I'm Guy Adami. That's Dan Nathan. Today's Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Dan, as you know, and as the audience knows, they're also our data provider. Uh, in just a few minutes, and it will be a few, folks, Carter Braxton Worth will be joining us, uh, and he's brought forth some new and exciting things. Stay tuned for that, sports fans. Uh, the Yankees got back into the winning side of the ledger last night, uh, finally beating the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched well, did not factor in the decision, as they say, but he's probably been the best pitcher, not only in the American League this year, but in all of baseball. We'll see how that plays out. The rest of the campaign, a lot of lingo there for you, Dan. Did you like that? I did. Nothing on the Knicks guy. The Knicks, they, they took New more. York Knicks, even yeah. their series against the Miami Heat at one. This harkens back to a bygone era of basketball when the Knicks and Heat would dramatically play in the 90s. The game is a little bit different, but some of the faces are the same. You saw Carmelo Anthony last night, obviously the great Patrick Ewing, Bernard King, always there. John Stark seemingly wanting to suit up and play. I mean, a couple of times he found his ass on the court and he was slapping people on the backside, which... You know what? I didn't know that was allowed in an NBA contest. Back to you. I don't think it's allowed anywhere anymore, guy. Um, you know, one thing I'll say is that I was in the building last night and Carmelo easily, easily got the biggest applause. Yeah, of, ridiculous. Of, of why you, you can't stand that, huh? Uh, you, you know, I, well, yeah, I, I, to, I, no, no, I can't stand it because, you know, Carmelo brought Carmelo to Madison Square Garden. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to Carmelo was his freshman year at Syracuse. It was downhill after that. I mean, he won nothing in the NBA. Now, if you want to play a game of horse, if you're looking for a three-on-three teammate, he's your guy. If you're looking to win an NBA championship, he's not your guy. Back to you. Yeah, well, interesting because yesterday we talked about we're not going to bury the lead. Um, So I think that's going to be a continuing theme on market call um, this week here. So guy, you're headed out right after here. Um, You're headed to the, where are you going to Nebraska? You're going to Nebraska. What do you, what do you have? Nebraska. You have like a high school reunion with uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Charlie Munger. (laughs) What's, what's, what's going on here? It's funny. Charlie was actually two classes ahead of me, but I remember fondly, you know, some of the gags he used to pull with erasers and chalk. Yeah. All right. Let's get in. Yeah. You know, listen. Let Let's get into it because Carter Braxtonworth, he's doing eye rolls. He's doing the the whole shebang here. Interesting day. Real quickly, we're we're gonna spend a little time on the Fed guy, but this is kind of a big week here, right? So you know, uh, you know, two o'clock, we're gonna have the uh, the Fed decision. It, you know, really, what it comes down to is whether it's gonna be um, a dovish hike or whether it's gonna be a hawkish hike. You know, and that's what the market's gonna uh, move off of. And then you know, later this week, you know, Apple tomorrow night after the close and we're definitely going to hit some of these earnings today because i think some of these big moves in a a starbucks and an amd um i think they're really interesting in the context of just kind of where we are in this earnings cycle um what investors are getting comfortable with as far as forward guidance in this rate environment in slowing economic data that seems to be pretty clear here so we'll drill down on some single stock but we thought that it would be really important to bring in CBW. Let's look at the major indices, the S&P, the NASDAQ. Let's definitely look at yields. And then before he leaves, the big kahuna, the Apple. So Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting, welcome to the market. How are you? uh, You know, I was laughing. I have, uh, having grown up in Manhattan, a lot of friends who obviously are in finance and 
child friends, but then some have gone on to be surgeons and lawyers and so forth. And I was uh, talking to one the other day. I said, you know, you, you know, this is a guy who's operating on, uh, you know, people in the Yankees and the Giants. And I said, but every day you do knees. It's a knee and then another knee. And he goes, it's true. Uh, in your world, it's always different. And it's the markets keeps you on your toes. You don't know what's coming. As opposed to, I suppose, if you do three to five knees a, a day, you know what's coming. It's another knee. That, you know, it's, that's an, it's, it's interesting how, you know, in that profession, you can really hone your craft. Yep. And over a period of time, you are, you know, people say there are no experts in our business. And that's because it's exactly that point. You could become an expert in that surgery because you do it over and over again. We can do what we do over and over again, yet the outcomes are always different because the market is so humbling. I appreciate that comment there, Dubs. Well, you know, just Carter, and that's one of the things about pattern recognition, right? You look at thousands of images a day and, and you're basically, you know, like that, that sort of, um, you know, that process probably helps you arrive at just an expertise. And, and again, the thing that, that we can't put our arms around is what the market's going to do and, and what, uh, you know, I, I guess sentiment is, and that's one of the biggest sure. shifts as it relates to all that. The future is a, a tough thing. That's what we're yeah. all trying to do it. Hey, hey, real Carter, money, right? Carter, before we hit the major indices, I'm just curious, you know, I don't know if you heard my comment about like at this point of the earnings cycle and to see like an AMD, uh, maybe they can pull up the AMD chart, you know, down about 9% um, or so. And, you know, the semis have been this, just this area um, back and forth over the last two years where there's been tremendous outperformance at certain times and then tremendous underperformance. And so, you know, from the lows, there was tremendous outperformance. I mean, the SMH, the ETF that tracks the semis, was up 60% off its lows when the S&P was up about 20% off its lows and the NASDAQ was up 20% off its lows. And so AMD, why it's important to us is that it overtook Intel, which we've all been focused on for 25 freaking years years in market cap terms um, at some point in the last year or so. But when you see a big gap like that, like we're having today at this point in the cycle, what does that kind of mean to you a little bit? Well, a couple of things. I mean, semis, right, have been stalled, even as NVIDIA has made new incremental highs, but they've been stalled on a relative basis for almost five weeks and a lot of pressure. The dropping and gapping is not sort of uh, anything unique or, or special to this particular stock, we know that re-ratings happen news-related. Obviously, you get FDA approval for a drug, you can triple. That's a massive gap, right? The accounting is being restated, and the CFO is being sent off to jail, you gap down. That's a major re-rating. But earnings gaps, right, are also a thing that are a feature of markets. And it is typically, um, not to say benign, but they're, you know, 5 to 7%. The big ones are big when you get these epic 20 and 30 percenters. But this one, I would just say, is in line with, um, a re-rating lower. The only thing that one can um, rely on here at this point is it's simply a continuation of the sell-off that's been underway for now uh, several weeks. Where does it at some point become oversold? I would say at uh, the moving average. Yeah. So let me just, I'm not asking you to comment on AMD specifically. We're teeing you up here as we go. But so here you go. I'll look at this chart and say, Okay, the moving average is flattened out. Some might look at this and say, we're starting to slope higher in AMD. We obviously have this sell-off the stock has been trading approximately 55 million shares a day. I think it's already traded 70 today, which probably puts it on course. Maybe, let's just call it two times normal volume just to mm -hmm. round it up. Um, would this be something you would look at, obviously needing to do more work? But you know, if you're looking for an entry point, you know, Dan's put on some really interesting trades recently. Just in terms of the risk reward for a bounce, this could actually set up okay today. Sure. So let's say you remove the moving average for now with one's eye and just looked at the sequencing of the of the 
stock since the low. You get a powerful advance October, November, and you get a dip and a pullback December into January. Then you get a powerful advance again, a new intermediate high, and then you get a pullback. And then you get this powerful advance that took us all the way to the highs of, uh, of April. And now the next give back. This is this is pretty good sequencing. The drop and gap is unfortunate because it, it, in many ways, when you do drop and gap, you belong there. You've been re-rated for a reason. But um, the cumulative decline percentage-wise, uh, once the stock is down to the moving average, is uh, a level where I would say, at a minimum, you could sell a credit spread, put credit spread. Yeah. Hey, Carter, real quickly, we have a, a chart going back a few years here, and I'm just curious what you make of this, um, because when you kind of stretch it out a little bit, I see what you see and I see the moving average to guys point that's flattening out and you still have that uptrend. It did break, you know, the uptrend that's been in place, at least from, you know, the late December lows here. But when you look at it in, in this way, does this look like a massive head and shoulders top to you? And do you think there's risk maybe down to 60 if it can't hold that moving average? Sure, it has all the elements. I mean, there's rules of symmetry, right? What you do on the way down is often quite symmetrical to what you did in the preceding advance. And you can see how symmetrical uh, all of this is. Now, you know, if they played out every time the way one's eye sees it, then, you know, it would be easy. And we know that the market is not easy, which is to say, it seems easy, and I'm not saying you've said that, that this is going to conclude itself down to that green line. Um, uh, certainly uh, something to be concerned about if one is long. But the here and now, uh, I would say on an intermediate basis, the sell-off from 100 plus, if and as we hit that moving average at around 79, my inclination would be to cover shorts if one has made some good money here and our play for a small bounce. All right. Well, let's let's get into it because, you know, the Fed meeting here today and, you know, we've been tracking your work on the S&P 500 for weeks now. Um, you've called it at certain instances uh, a pair of twos, um, but you also have your own biases of where mm. you think it's going here. And it really feels like that, you know, with the VIX where it is, it got as low as like 16 and change the other day and it's only 18 right now um the move index has slowed down um a little bit it seems like there's a bit of a waiting pattern at least as far as equity investors are concerned but at a time where crude just broke 70 to the downside i mean there's mm -hmm. still there's still some stuff going on the dollar still feels um a bit heavy here so curious to see like what you're thinking now um again i think that if the market perceives um more hawkishness than they really want relative to what's going on in the banking sector. It really feels like, especially where we are with the earnings um, situation here, that we could kind of give something back. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the S&P 500. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the chart of the S&P is what it is. It's sort of the weak form of analysis, and we'll look at it. But um, the internals are poor, and I think we had some tables up there, and we want to look at those briefly again. Um, if you look at the internals and the behavior of the Russell 3000, uh, and this is, of course, the S&P 500, but 2,500 more stocks. So it represents 98% of the investable capital in the U.S. And the, the how would I say it? So it's how do you, if you go in to get a checkup with the doctor, you know, we sent out a note to clients saying the patient's not well. If the guy greets you with a handshake and he sees you from six feet across the room, eh, you know, how do I, I look okay, right? But once you sit down and you do the ah and the ear check and then he does the blood work, then you're getting under the hood. Are you judging, right? And so what we know is that under the hood, it's not the picture of health. Maybe standing there before you disrobe, right? And you're in your suit, you might look like, oh, look at this Wall Street guy, seems fine. But the truth is, 
could have gout, could have diabetes, could have massive high blood pressure. Maybe the damn sleep apnea is kicking in again. Who the hell knows what? Wait, 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 wait. Did you describing just talk, Dan? Did you just talk to my doctor? Like, my wait doctor, a minute. Doctor, that is, that is oh, my these are, these are the elemental things of the uh, 50, 55 plus crowd, but males anyway. And I'm certainly in that group. Um, but you, but the point is that the, the guy greeting you, he sees that top number. Hey. You know, the doctor, a new patient, never mind, 6% six, 6 up for the year. But look at the performance of the average stock. Look at the performance of the median stock. And then look at the data in terms of stocks down 15, 20. You've got uh, uh, fully, you know, 23% of the index is already down 20%. The market is not as healthy as the charts of the indices would suggest but i'm going to call a little bit of an audible here on both of you i apologize because it happened literally when we just started at one o'clock but if we could pull up a i don't know if you do have a very short-term facebook chart but when we started this show the stock was and i don't want to make too big a deal of this but the stock was trading 241 and a half it's now 234 and a half and it's this precipitous drop i'm trying to get a headline or something but yeah, you know, no, Doug Cass. So Doug Cass sent it to us. So the FTC, uh, FTC proposes blanket prohibition preventing Facebook from monetizing youth data. Um, that chart is not up to date here. We can take that one down here. But the stock has dropped um, about ten bucks uh, at its lows. It was trading two forty one, traded down to like two thirty two um, and a half or so. And it's kind of interesting. It kind of speaks a little bit to some of the things that we're talking about here. Is that Investors here seem like they want to shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, so maybe it you know ultimately fills the gap from the earnings. But uh yeah, pull up the one year to, to Carter's point. So we had that gap from what was it about 211 Carter mm -hmm. or so where it closed, it gapped up to 240. It's been consolidating here. Talk to us a little bit about the psychology of that when you have a gap, you know, just to a new all-time high. Well, excuse me, 52 week high, clearly mm -hmm. not an all-time well, high. Yeah, so again, gaps are re-ratings, and we know that Meta had gaps on the way down, two of them, three of them. Gaps typically come in twos, and every once in a while, threes. They're very rarely one, and you think about why. A stock's been going down, and just the psychology, right? It's going down, and then it miss, and then they miss, like Meta, and they miss. And then when they come out with something that's not as bad as people fear, people are like, whoa, they they stock gaps up and analysts, they don't believe it. They're like, ah, oh, that's a one-off. It'll never, it's something still wrong. And so they haven't moved their targets up enough. They haven't adjusted. And so then the next 90 days go by and the stock reports again, and you get another gap. Now you've got people under pressure. The director of research comes in. He's, at the, he's in the research department at Goldman, Morgan Stanley. I've been in, right? And they go, listen, you're the low on the street. Everybody else has moved up their price target. You've got to get in motion. So the guy who's, who's got a low target feels pressure. Right. And so at some point, though, the reason it's very hard to get three gaps is that think about what analysts have done. And we can look this up. I'll just do it right now. They, they move their price targets up to adjust. Right. So analyst price target. I have it right here on the screen um, at the lows, it, it, which is incredible. They had a price target of 140. And guess when this was? This was at the beginning of the year. Now they have a 265. Meaning they've moved up the price target because the stock has moved up. So what comes along next is likely to be not enough to cause a gap again, which then leaves us the question, does it ultimately fill the gap left behind from the earnings? Sure. Let's uh, go back to the regularly scheduled program and look at some of the charts you brought, Carter. And I apologize for doing that. Yeah, but, yeah, it's yeah. A, you know, that's obviously I a pretty it. systemically important company. Anyway, please continue and let's go down Where the yeah. other road. Yeah. What were we looking at? Do we, well, we're going to start looking at, look at the S&P charts. Please, let's do it. 
Um, so yeah, we had some fun. You know, I, the naming of patterns. The, the original book writers were desperate, so because they didn't have computers, so they named it cups and handles, heads and shoulders. So this is 1940s. There were nothing. They were drawing. People thought they were insane, but it was to help sell their ideas. And actually, it's all quite accurate. Now, the naming of them is doesn't matter what it's called. For instance, the condor. That's an options thing, right? Why is it a condor, not an eagle? Why is it? Why is it? Is it a vulture? Kind of stupid. But anyway, if you wanted to name the pattern, let's just put some lines on it. Hold uh, on, you know, hold on a sec. Draw one more. Bring the next iteration because I got iteration. the name of this thing. You know, is the, are they going to lose the rocks out of the bucket here? I mean, put it this way. Otherwise, the bucket's supposed to lift up here and push this thing into the dump truck, which is off to the uh, other side of the screen. I mean, that's a heavy lift. Well, I, can, I, can, I name this, can I name this for you, Carter? Because, you know, I am, I'm a student of history, as you may or may not know. And I look at that, and I'm going to name this now. And you can use it in this week's uh, musings. This would be the Trojan horse formation. Yes. I've seen ones people put a dragon on it. It's a puking dragon, you know, that's like coming out of his yeah. mouth. Or, I mean, this is the, the, you know, you call it the caterpillar. But either way, I mean, look, this is all just fun stuff. The reality is if we take away those lines and, and go back to the original without the, you know, the market, what? It was very steep and uncorrected. And it took a pandemic to correct it in 2019. And then... My goodness, the government steps in and prints a whole bunch of money and they stop that madness down there at the 2020 low and they pump this baby all the way up to the late 2021. And now we get the sell-off that we've had of 2022, S&P dropped 27, NASDAQ 37%. And here we are sitting here and I don't see where you get 4,500, 5,000, a lot of bullish targets out there. I, that doesn't wash with what I see. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, when you think about just... I think it's about valuation guy. You know, we quote John Butters from FactSet all the time as earnings insight. And every week they put out new data where the S&P is trading relative to the five and 10 year averages. And what I can't get my head around is that that is where we are at the five and 10 year averages or, you know, between 18 and a half and 19 times or so. But what's really different about the last five and 10 years is where Fed funds is. OK, like it's where interest rates are. And so to me, if that is a major input in the valuation, then it means that the stock market might be one of its most mispriced mm -hmm. you know, points in a very, very long time. Look, there are a couple of ways for this to resolve itself. Obviously, mm -hmm. if earnings were to reaccelerate, that valuation will, will get cheaper by definition. That's one way. I don't, for the life of me, understand how that could be the scenario. And the, clearly the other way is for the market to come down to a more reasonable level and then valuations get in line with where they should be. I think it's going to be the latter, not the former. But here we are. There's been this tug of war. I think the bull case, there are a couple of bull cases. We had Brian Belsky on a few, probably a month or so ago. And you know he submitted, given all the, turmoil in the world you would we the market's willing to pay up on the valuation metric for u.s equities based exactly that whatever that perceived safety is in u.s equities that's reasonable i guess i don't see it but that's out there the other is the this this i think notion again somewhat misguided that in the back half of this year the federal reserve is going to be cutting rates and that should be obviously supportive of valuations i don't see that happening either with a three and a half percent unemployment right now, we're going to have a lot more data points, I would imagine, in you know an hour or so from now. But that's sort of how this whole thing flushes itself out. Yeah, and back to rates. I mean, it is kind of interesting: three and a half percent unemployment, three and a half percent ten-year, five percent CPI, five percent 
um, Fed funds rate. Lots, lots of things matching up here, and none of them make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Carter, let's talk about the 10-year because when we had that move in February um, up to about 4% in the 10-year, you were thinking a check back, right? That was kind of the, the plan here. And here we are. We're now below 3.5%, and you still think it feels very heavy here. Um, very play for lower loads yeah i mean look again the 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 lines are a judgment right a conclusion if you will obviously an arrow thread that's pointing down is is a is a judgment it's a making a call it's saying this is what the person who drew the lines thinks um and and one could draw the lines any way one wants and that's important right just as you have an individual security could be caterpillar ibm john deere and one company brokerage firm thinks it's a buy and the other thinks it's a sell. And so I know there are people that think rates are going up. It just, that's not what I see, right? And so this practitioner, to my eye, it has all the elements of a top. Um, we know that effectively we're at the same level we were a year ago, right? We're getting into where we were in June. It's now May. Uh, and so all of the talk, and that's what has been a 5% and high fours, it's just not, it hasn't happened, <laughs> And so does that mean it has to go lower? Not necessarily. That's my thinking, lower. I think so as well, Dan. And, you know, and I've thought it for a number of reasons. And, you know, I see in the comments section, people are talking about the debt limit and what will that mean for the dollar and what will that mean for rates. In the knee-jerk reaction, if this thing were to continue down the course it's going, this thing being, again, debt ceiling, I do think you will see a flight to quality in the form of bonds. In other words, yields will go lower. And you actually outlined a trade, I think it was yesterday, su suggesting exactly that. Maybe it was Monday. I apologize. So I agree. Um, that makes sense. I think at a certain point, that will probably reverse on itself. But the knee jerk is going to be that. And again, if the market were to sell off for whatever reason, I also think you will see a flight to quality in the form of bonds, which means yields go lower. So I think Carter's right in his, assert, in his assertion here. And I think your trade either yesterday or Monday sort of illustrated exactly that. Yeah, that was in the TLT. And we talked about also in the um, just kind of playing the futures in, in the 10 year uh, yield or at least the 10 year treasury here. OK, so the other big one, Carter, before we let you go, and we really appreciate you doing uh, some extra duty here. Let's look at Apple reports tomorrow after the close. And this is the last, you know, really major um, S&P 500 component. It is the major S&P 500 component um, to report here. And, you know, a lot of people say, hey, guys, can't you just bring on somebody who doesn't kind of see things the way you do or this? I see no other way when you look at this Apple chart. And, you know, you've driven, you've drawn plenty of lines uh, on, on the next charts, the next few charts we're going to see here. But it just looks like it's a one-up, down two or three risk rewards. Yeah, that feeling, right? yeah, yeah so. I'm with you. I don't know if we have an iteration with no lines, but I mean, basically, you know, again, this is subjective, but you do see some sequencing here. Um, we might have um, also, now, you know, I didn't make those fit. Uh, go back and forth, the percentage decline, and then the channel put them together. Okay, so what do we know? Can it punch higher? Could it always go through the line? Yeah, but we know we have a big move back to a, a difficult level where overhead supply starts to come into play and uh, how to play it. Is this the kind of thing with fresh new money should bet big here? I don't think so. Uh, one could say, yeah, but Meta gapped up on its earnings, got re-rated higher. So did Microsoft. Um, why wouldn't we bet the same thing? But here's what's so interesting. After getting re-rated higher, notice there's no follow-through. 
So I think the risk reward is always risky that, to be short here, and then it pops a bit on earnings. But we've come a long way. It's a mature intermediate move, mature in terms of magnitude, some 38%, mature in terms of duration. It's almost five months in the making. And what? Take profits, trades, yeah, make calls, so do something. 30, 35% move off those lows from January. Guy, if I said to you, with the stock trading here at 170, with the all-time high at 180, okay, and you and I can be in agreement, for it to get through 180, you would need the most epic beat and raise out of this company. You would need to hear something about some new product that people have never heard of, and we know that they don't do that on earnings calls, and we know that they are rarely ones to introduce a brand new product, that sort of thing. You would need to hear stuff about China that we just wouldn't expect, about the tremendous demand for the iPhone 14 and this and that or whatever. None of that's happening, okay? Like, it's just not going to happen. So my question to you, Guy, given everything Carter just said and looking at these charts, with the stock at 170, the 170 puts that expire Friday, okay, so a day after they report, are trading at 330, $3.30. That is basically 2% of the stock price, okay? And and, and again, we started the show with a 9% gap lower in AMD. We're going to talk about the 8% or 9% gap lower in Starbucks. And granted, those are pimples on Apple's ass, okay, when you think about in terms of market cap. But that just seems too cheap to me if you're looking to kind of protect a long position or make an outright bearish bet. 166.5 issue break even. Obviously, if you're right in that trade, the vol is going to start to work for you as well. So those options will get more valuable um, with the subsequent move. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's obviously, listen, it's pretty binary trade. You, you know your time horizons, but you also know what's going to happen pretty quickly because Apple does move post earnings in a pretty significant way. So if you're so inclined, I, I think that's a the, and risk reward. I think that's a great trade. And I know Doug Cass has been talking about, uh, I think, adding to his Apple short into earnings as well. And this chart speaks to exactly that. I'm not a hater. I, you know, I, again, Apple doesn't really impact my life all that much one way or another. Yes, I have a phone. And quite frankly, and Dan, I think, would admit to this, I could easily live without it. But I'm in the minority. I get it. But by any metric you look at, literally any metric you look at, Apple's expensive in this environment. And I understand their cash hoard. Here's the one thing that could uh, get it through to the upside. If by some miracle, and it would be that services revenue is north of 22% of overall revenue, then I think the stock will get a re-rating in terms of valuation. But I just don't see that happening, Dan. Okay. All right, Carter, do you mind sticking around for two more minutes? We just want to flash up too. So Starbucks yesterday, we kind of had the same conversation that we just had about Apple. We were looking at the implied move in the options market, and we were just kind of looking that relative to the move that the stock has had, we just thought the at-the-money puts look dollar cheap, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you look at this thing, it broke out, it made a new 52-week high. Um, you know, it looked like a lot of good news was in the stock here. I, I did not think the stock would be down eight or 9%, which it is um, today. They put up a good quarter. The guidance was fine. It just wasn't as good as, let's say, that move over the last month and a half that a lot of investors had expected. And if you just bought some at-the-money puts, I mean, those things are a triple right now. So curious when you see a chart like this, would you also be looking to kind of, you know, obviously cover at that uptrend that's just above I, that that moving average? But would you get long? Sure, I, no, I'd do it now. I'd cover. I mean, for I was playing this at the long side going uh, into earnings, um, just continue and get a little steeper. 
the way almost every restaurant has, right? Chipotle and, and Yum and McDonald's. But maybe uh, it turns out this one was already pricing in whatever good news might be coming. Um, when you get paid like that, you take the money and run. I, I just wouldn't, I would cover. Um, now, as to where to buy, yes, if and as the sell-off continues, we get close to 100. I think you flip it around and um, play for a bounce. That would be a meaningful sell-off, 15, 17% in a, in a big stock. All right, Guy, you've been pounding the table, it seems like, uh, on Fast Money for a few months now on the Eli Lilly. It comes out L-L-Y here. And Carter just used the term steep. I mean, this is outright parabolic. Talk to me about this because you've had this fundamental story correct, but when you are you getting vertigo here with this thing a little bit? Because it's kind of hard to stick with a fundamental long when everything's all everything's firing, right, on all cylinders here. But look at that, man. Well, today, Vertigo, by the way, either a great U2 song, I believe, or uh, conversely, a great movie with, I want to say, Gregory Peck, although I'm probably wrong. Anywho, Dan, Nathan, yes, today's the day. I mean, today's the catalyst day you were waiting for, and you got the news you've anticipated. Again, Alzheimer's is sort of the holy grail. There's a lot more chapters left in this book, but I think almost by definition here, and it's this is, again, this is not a bearish call on Lily. I'm not negative now on the stock, but you have to be taking some money off the table because when you see a parabolic moves like this, at some point, it's going to do the back and fill. I do believe you're going to get an opportunity to buy this stock back cheaper at some point in the relatively near future. GB Dobbs, what do you think? 380, is it in the cards at some point? Yeah, I mean, if you think about the sell-off uh, that preceded this breakout, right, uh, where, where the horizontal line begins, I mean, sequencing is important. Lily... Uh, trading up and up to the right, and then it does endure a sell-off from 375 to 310, uh, not nothing. Now it's recovered all of those losses and gone on to make new incremental highs, but now the sequencing issue sets up again. Is the March-May move from 310 to 425 getting a bit extreme? Yes. Yeah. All right, what, one last thing, and then we're going to get out of here, and we appreciate it. Um, Exxon, on Monday, um, Guy, you and I were talking about crude. We were talking about how you had been bullish of the uh, large integrated stories. Um, Exxon Chevron reported on Friday. Exxon really briefly made a new all-time high and then came back. And then Monday, just the follow-through to the downside, I thought was kind of interesting. You and I both agreed. We thought that this thing could fill in the gap. I introduced um, a trade idea using options to find my risk. The stock was around 115. This was on Monday. Stock was down 2.5% at the time. And um, we looked to a June put spread, buying the June uh, 115, 100 put spread. Cost about $3.5 um, at the time with a 111.5 break even. And so... Let's look and see where the stock is right now. You know, traded as low as I think 108 um, and uh, 108.35 this morning. At that point, this trade idea was almost worth a double. And I, when you get the sort of move that we had in such a short period of time, especially when you're long premium, you might want to think about taking a good part of that off there. And so that's what I'm doing there today. You just, you know, when you get something, when you see a gap, and a stock fills it right away. I mean, to me, Carter, talk to me a little bit about that because we have talked about gap fills and we've talked about re-ratings. We've talked about all this stuff. The fact that it filled in that gap within a month after putting up really good earnings, maybe they can throw up a one-year or a year-to-date Exxon chart. To me, that was really interesting despite everything that the company had to say and the results that they issued. Right. So the, the stock has uh, fallen back, news-related, right to its 150-day moving average. 
uh, literally touching it today to the penny. And um, what I would be doing here at the 200, so it's not at the 200, it's at the 150, and is stabilizing. Um, my hunch, if obviously if one has just been paid on the trade that you did or any short related trade, the number is to take the take the profits. Guy, XLE at these levels no, here? No, it makes cards right. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, in terms of just stylistically, when you have a double in a trade in that short period of time, if you take off half, you're in the rest for free, if you, know, if you can do that math. I mean, effectively free. So there's that semblance as well. But I think the prudent thing to do, if you do nothing else, if you were to take off half that trade and ride the rest, or to Carter's point, you know, if you're seeing stabilization here, there's nothing wrong with, you know, check changes, they say, for you casino players and live to fight another day. My stance in these stocks haven't changed. And we mentioned the other day that you have seen pullbacks of this magnitude before in Exxon. We illustrated exactly that. I didn't think it was going to happen the next day. I don't think you did either, but here we are. Yeah, and that's the only reason why we're bringing it up today because it happened so quickly. And I'll just say this. If they can pull up an XLE chart, we know that 45% of the weight of the XLE is Exxon and Chevron. And this one, to me, if it were to hold that 77.5 level, um, that is the uptrend from the July 2022 lows. It is obviously through the moving average here, but it's done that on uh, three occasions, right, over the last nine months or so, and it's gone on to make – um, new, you know, kind of new highs, if you will. So to me, maybe the XLE looks like a better play because it's a bit more distributed if it were to go back to that and hold um, that uptrend. Okay, I think that's it. We covered a lot of ground. Carter, we kept you late. We really appreciate all of your insights and your time. You know where to find CBW. That would be at Worth charting.com it is one of the first reads that i do every morning and he also puts out videos walking through um many of the charts that he will describe uh, every so often here we try to differentiate between what you are doing on worth charting because that is just the lion's share of your work and we'd like to highlight a little bit of it here and there so guy you know what the saying is for cbw let's take him out with it no emojis no freaking hearts just charts. And I'm happy those law enforcement agents that were circling your block about 15 minutes ago or so, Carter, were not coming for you. Yes, you heard that background noise. Now I think it's somebody in need of something. Who knows? All right. Well, we're um, and every Monday and Wednesday, we are in need of the expertise of the, the aforementioned Carter Braxton Worth. So thank, thank you, Dubs. All right, guys. Talk hey, buddy. Soon. Well, that's All it, right, Dan. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, what time is it? One thirty-five. As yeah. they say, I'm 5,000, as the kids say. Yeah. Uh, you will find me later today at Newark Airport, headed to Omaha, Nebraska. We will be back tomorrow. Now, there's a chance that I'll be there. It depends on the feed. But regardless, you will get uh, EY from SoFi and Dan Nathan for the 1 p.m. market call. I can almost guarantee that the level of the S&P, which is now 4133, will be significantly different this time yeah. tomorrow uh don't know which direction but we will find out i want to thank our sponsor fact set financial data analytics powered by tomorrow obviously carter worth thank the audience is always here i appreciate the comments uh yankee baseball today the mets i think are going to play again they've been rained out for a week it seems and when they do play they lose which you know what that's okay with me we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> see you later